Good evening, family. We're on a series called uh, Pressing Forward. As we just entered summer season, uh, we're not going to go back, but we're going to press forward by the grace of God. That's what this series is about. And I want to talk about greater love this week. So we want to talk about love and faith, and we're going to study 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. So if you want to turn to the, t- turn to First Thess- Thessalonians um, in your Bible or in your iPhone, it'll be great. Um, and oh, of course, Androids are welcome too, but personally, <laughs> praise God for iPhones. Okay, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. I, Paul, and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each of you towards one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God, of your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions, and afflictions which you endure. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment on that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. Let's pray. Father, we pray that um, it won't be of the wisdom of men, but rather the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit that your word will be preached, Lord. Lord, would you come find us and speak to us and would you reveal your revelation to us because that's something that only you can do, and that's what we ask for this evening. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We ought to pray for greater love every day. Our love for each other, yeah, to God, but for our each other, towards each other, should be greater and greater every day. An older brother was asked to bring his younger sister to church. Give your sister a ride, Dad said, reluctantly. The brother gave her a ride, and naturally, uh, for natural siblings, as they always do, they fought on their way to church. You're sitting there like your family never fights on the way to church. <laughs> we often do, right? That's what we do in family sometimes. And then they got into a fight, so the brother said, you know what, I don't, I don't even want to go into church. You go to your church, and I'm just going to stay in the car. She goes in there. She listens to the preacher preaching, and and the sermon was really good. God moved. She walks out, and and he can already, the brother can already notice something different about her. She comes into the car, and she just did a 180. She's super nice to him. He's like, I don't know what happened. Okay. They go home, and he's like, you know how brothers do sometimes to their sisters, and just make fun of her, I don't know, and say, hey, do a coffee run for me. Go get some caramel macchiato for me. And, you know, obviously and naturally, she would say, no way, you go, right? But she said, okay, she went. Wow, blown away, right? Coffee run. And she was like, he was like, let me test the borders and see how far I can get. Can you get me some Chick-fil-A? And he was, she was like, yeah, sure. And then he went, he went a little far. Can you give me $20? <laughs> and she said, oh, no, I can't. But she was nice about it. And she was nice for the next three days. So Wednesday came. So the brother got a small gift to the preacher because he wanted to thank him. 
And he, he knocked on his door and said, Preacher, thank you so much. My, my sister is truly different because of your preaching. And I'm guessing that you, you talked about loving your brethren, and I think it's so great. Would you, here's a little gift. Would you preach on that again, maybe? And even talk about giving $20 or more to your brothers? Would be so kind to do so? And the preacher went, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't preach on loving your brethren. And he asked, then what did you preach on? And the preacher said, I preached on love thy enemy. <laughs> and church, that's kind of what I want to talk about. When we talk about greater love, I'm not just talking about loving people who are easy to love. We're talking about loving your enemies. Though they don't have the title of enemies right now, because we are holy and we're good Christians, so you're never going to call your brother your enemy, or your sister, or your neighbor, that person that's giving you trouble. But what I, talk, what I want to talk about is us moving forward with love, us moving forward towards greater love and abundant love. When we read verse 4 and 5, we'll find this letter and the context of the letter. And the first context is this, therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. And end of verse five, for which indeed you're suffering. So persecutions, afflictions, and suffering. You have a church that is in the middle of suffering. And maybe some of you, you just walked into church in suffering or affliction in a way that maybe possibly caused by us or you and the consequences of the sins of the past, or maybe in a way that's caused by someone else's sin, or maybe it's just circumstantial, or maybe it's internal in your mind. Maybe some of you walked in and you're praying for your child, and the child is going through a torment in her or or his mind, and you can't do anything about it as a parent. You prayed for it. You've asked your pastor to pray with you. You've asked for your community to pray for him or her, but it's just not been working out, and you don't know what to do. Maybe some of you are in the middle of financial issues and you're saying, God, would you provide for me? Would you provide? Would you turn my lack into abundance? Could you do something? Would you show up, God? Would you, could you just do something in, in where I am right now? Financially, you're in, a t- you're in a tough spot. Maybe in relationally, you're in a tough place. Maybe you don't even want to go home or you don't want to go to work. And it's not the amount of work or it's not the place itself, but rather that person that you have a hard time dealing with. That person unjustly, with injustice, just abusing you or maybe talking about you that is not edifying. And you just feel like, I'm just offended and you don't know what to do about it. Maybe there was a separation or even death in your family. Whatever it might be, here's a church or maybe you and me going through suffering. But you know this fact, that our lives, when we follow Christ, we're either in the storm and we're going to walk into a storm because that's about sanctification. So even if you're not in the suffering as like in this church, know that this word is for you because you're going to need it for the future. And you know that's how the word of God moves, right? Often you open, open the Bible and say, God, I don't know if I need that word. And he'll say, I know, but you will. And that's the power of the word of God. So may it bless you either way. Furthermore, the context of this passage is that this church was a church that Paul was proud about. Therefore, verse 4, we ourselves speak proudly of you 
Or ESV says, I boast about you. I talk about you all the time. I talk about you wherever I go. I'll go to different churches because he was, he was, he was the apostle, right? And he'll go to different churches. He'll go visit different churches and say, you know what? This church in Thessalonica, they're amazing. They are amazing. I am so proud of them. I kind of pray that you'll be a little more like them. Kind of, that's, that's the kind of church they were. And you have to wonder, right? Because hear me, when we go through suffering, we either get narrower in our love, in who we are, or our love in who we are becomes wider or, or greater. So suffering doesn't make you narrower. It's your choice and your faith and your response before God in the midst of your storm and your suffering. It's not the suffering that is the issue because the goal of sanctification is being fully, fully glorified in where you are right now. He's the Lord of the valleys. He's not just a God of the mountaintops. He is the Lord of the valleys. He's still in control. He wills it for you for his good purpose. He wants to make you good and complete, not lacking in anything. That's what the purpose is. So how we respond changes everything. Here's a church that Paul said, you know what? I am so proud of this church. I am so proud because in the midst of all that suffering, man, you turn that suffering into greater love and greater faith. So if you want to take away, then here's a takeaway. How you win, how you have victory in suffering is greater love. Or greater love itself is the victory in your suffering. Yes, it is correct. You are seeing an emoji in your, in your TV or, or your um, screen back there. I was intentional because I, I might be so wrong and Pastor Brett could correct me on this and he probably will and I praise God for it. But I feel like emoji is kind of like the gift of tongues and typing and texting. Because you get what they're saying, but it's not a word. So I just think like greater love. Come on, emoji of greater love, right? So to help you take it home, right? <laughs> it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible for sure. Okay. Verse 3, it says this. Why greater love? This is what Paul says. We ought to always give thanks to God for you. Man, whenever I think of you, church, I am so grateful for you. I thank God for you as is only fitting. You feel the love that is in Paul's voice because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each other of you toward one another grows ever greater. So in the middle of the suffering that they're going through, this church didn't grow inward or didn't become narrow, but it became wider and greater and loved more and more than ever before. Church, that is the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The circumstances are now purified or sanctified so that you love deeper and wider. It doesn't, the pain doesn't lead you to grow narrow and say, you know what, I'm just going to grow inward. I'm just going to think about me, 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 me. No, the pain leads you to think about others and understand their pain. That is the power of the gospel. That is the blessing that you and I can live and walk in. You know, the purpose of pain or affliction or suffering itself is maturation, right? It's about sanctification. Then you have to ask the question, question what is sanctification? It's loving more. Simply put, loving God more, loving your neighbor deeper and more, more genuine love is what we're going for. So greater love is true victory. Greater love, if you get to greater love in your suffering as you go through it right now in your family, then you know you won. It's not about the circumstances. It's about you. 
because he cares about you. And through that, the circumstances just works out by itself. Because God says, you know what? You passed. You passed. That's what I wanted for you. It's not the pain that I wanted for you. I wanted your love to grow. I wanted you to grow. I wanted you to be purified. I wanted you to be sanctified. And there you are, so proud of you. So proud of you is what this passage is saying. Genesis 18, we read a passage that is really interesting. In our, I guess it's harder for us to understand now, but we, we have to think about the context of this passage. Genesis 18, it's about Abraham. It's kind of, verse one, it says, now the Lord appeared before him, Abraham, by the oak of Memre, and while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. So Abraham was just kind of, it seems like he was just chilling or hanging out by, 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 by outside by his porch, drinking his sweet tea, or I don't know what he was drinking, probably goat milk or yogurt, but he was just hanging out. He was just, you, you have to understand the context. He's in the middle of suffering. Why? Because God has promised him something. He's been waiting for 25 years now. Some of you are in that suffering. You don't even want to call it suffering because you don't want to say that you're waiting. But you're waiting on a promise, but you know waiting is a suffering. Waiting is hard, especially if it's something that you really, really want. Man, it's hard. God, are you going to answer? Was that prophecy right? Was, Was that really your voice? Did I hear correctly? Or am I waiting in vain? You have doubts? You have fears? Because you, you claimed it, you said, you know, I claim it in faith, and you prayed that out, and you feel like, maybe I got it wrong? What if people misunderstand about me? What are they saying about me? As you're waiting, you're going through suffering. That's what he was going through. And verse 2, when it says, when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the, to the earth and said, my Lord, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Though Abraham Abraham has been waiting for 25 years, though he just lost Lot, the one that he thought about as his his own son, though he's going through a lot of pain in his heart, he didn't grow narrower, he didn't go inward, but he said, how can I welcome more people? How can I host more people? How can my influence be greater for the kingdom of God? His love grew larger and larger and greater and greater. He welcomed everyone. That's the faith that Abraham had. When Satan works in our hearts in the middle of suffering, our hearts grow smaller. When the spirit of God moves within hearts in the middle of suffering, our hearts becomes greater. I pray and bless you that your hearts will grow greater in the middle of your suffering. In the middle of that pain, as you face that enemy that you don't want to call enemy yet. People that you look at, I mean, God, I don't even want to deal with them. God wants your heart to be greater. It's not about them. It's not about changing them. It's about us loving deeper and wider than ever before. Embracing people that you never thought you could embrace. That's what suffering is all about. You could choose to be like a seed. You know, seeds are great. It has a lot of potential. It has a lot of life inside, but it has a hard shell, right? So it doesn't want to have access. It doesn't want to give access to anything else. So you could choose to be a seed, inward driven. Or you could choose to be like a flower, when you see a flower in the field, it is so vulnerable. If there's winds or breeze coming, it has to move. 
It almost seems like it has no protection. When the bees and the birds come, it's open to whatever they want to take. However, know that pollination can only happen when the flowers become vulnerable. And then there's fruit, and then there's trees, and then there's feeding of many. Seed by itself, when it doesn't die, when it doesn't open itself up, the life and the potential inside might be great, but it's only potential. So you are in the middle of suffering. That's okay. You're in pain. That person really did wrong to you, and you were hurt by them. Even in church, yeah, a lot of times at church as well. But it's your choice to be a seed or still be a flower. But what about the wind, Pastor? What about the bees and the birds? They come and they bother me. Man, they make it so uncomfortable for me. They want to take stuff from me. But are you going to be like the man of faith, Abraham, and say, you know what, welcome you. Even in the middle of my suffering, I want to bless you. I want to love you more. I want to love you. God is using this opportunity. He's shifting something inside of me. Now, instead of looking at you and trying to fix you, I'm going to love you more. I'm going to love you more. I don't understand you. I can't get you, but I'm still going to accept you. If the church of Jesus Christ could do more of that, the people outside of church, maybe they'll feel love from us. The only body of Jesus Christ that they could touch right now. Stay there body of Jesus Christ, the only body of Jesus Christ that the world can see right now is you and me. The only voice of God that they can hear physically right now is you and me. If we could love more and accept more. What is a large church? We talk about mega church. I'm not talking about mega church. What is a large church? There are different churches out there, right? I think large churches are churches who are concerned about others. We're trying to fix and solve the issues about other people. Smaller churches are churches. It doesn't matter what size you are. If you're inward driven and you're talking about my needs, let's fix my needs. And those are all great. Those ministries are great. But you're thinking about what's my need? How can I fix me? How can I fix my people and my church and my family? My, 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 right? You're like that seed. But if we could be a truly a large church, that means us going How can we bless and solve the issues of other churches in the city and the world? World Conference coming. Praise the Lord. Let's go. And think about how can we help them? How can we help them? Man, I am, throughout this sermon, I am so tempted to talk about Pastor Brett. (laughs) Because he lives it. And I'm just going to leave it there. Because I don't even need to expand that. Because you know that. You know what that this is, that's what this church is all about, right? Amen. So let's you and me do the same thing. Greater love. Greater love is the victory in your suffering. Amen. Greater love is your victory in your suffering. Your suffering, it will pass. It will pass. But it doesn't mean you won. I pray and beg of you that you will win through having greater heart before God. Second point of greater victory in your suffering is greater faith. Greater faith. Greater faith is the victory in your suffering. Verse 3, this is what it says. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting because your faith 
is greatly enlarged. Even in the middle of suffering, rather because of the suffering, their faith got larger and larger and larger. And let me pause, church, and let me say this. The definition of faith that I want you and I to go deeper today, because faith could be defined by many things, right, is this. Faith is your gaze. Faith is your spiritual gaze. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Chapter 11, it's been talking about faith. What is faith? It's fixing your gaze or your eyes on Jesus Christ, on Jesus Christ. In, in Thailand, there's a people group that is very interesting. They're called Mokan, Mokan tribe, Mokan tribe. And what they're really famous for is, you know how we say the perfect vision in America is 20-20? They have a vision of 20 to 4 as the average of the group. 20 to 4 vision, it's like this. You could, stay, you could, you could see something like, like an ant from 20 feet away and be able to tell if it's an ant or if it's a grain of sand. That's an amazing eyesight, that, that's a vision sight that you can have. And you have to ask the question, how did, that, how did they get there, that, that group of people? That's so what they say. They could see the stars in the broad daylight because their eyesights are so good, their vision is so good. You have to ask, how did that happen? And this is how they train. They look at the star, they look at the clouds, and they look at the, they look at the heaven two hours per day when they're young, looking far every day. And when you look far, not, not the sun, because that will damage your... <laughs> Far and beyond. So in that people group, they, they say, the, the scientists would say they have the same eyesight as dolphins under the sea. Dolphins have an amazing eyesight, right? They have the same. Because they're always looking far, they could see further. What is faith? Because God called Abraham and said this one day, in the middle of his suffering and waiting. Abraham, I want you to look to the heaven and look at the stars. Look far. Look far, changing the gaze. Because when you are in your suffering, my suffering as well, me and my suffering as well, we tend to always look at me, my issue, but God is saying in your suffering, fix your gaze on me. Look to heaven, look to heaven, look to heaven. I want to show you a couple of uh, clips. Um, Someone told me that, you know, Christian life is kind of like a hurdle. It's not just a race. Um, and in that, you don't only run, but you have to fight obstacles or suffering or problems in your life. So I want to show you a clip from 2012 Summer Olympics, the world record right now. Um, so that's, yeah. No problem with the start this time, and Merritt's already leading away with Richardson in second place for the South African well, but Merritt's coming away from this field and running very quickly indeed, and this could be a quick run. Richardson's in second place, and Parchment in third. 12.81, it's a new one. That was the moment when, when Eris Merritt set the new world record for hurdles for 110 meters. It's 10 obstacles of one meter. And this is what they say about hurdles and how, how you can run faster, hurdles, is you have to make sure your gaze, your sight, is always looking forward, not at the obstacle. Otherwise, you're going to be scared of the obstacle and you're going to jump either too high or too low or you're going to stop. Faith is about gaze. 
Faith is about gaze. So when you practice hurdle, when you practice, when you're getting trained for hurdles, this is what I was, what I was told, taught, that you have to fix your gaze forward to the finish line or loving others and loving God. You don't fix your gaze on your issues and your problems and your suffering that is in your family or your church life or your work life. You fix your gaze on Jesus Christ himself. That is faith. You will always have the temptation to look at the obstacle. Now, let's look at the gaze. Can we, can we show the second video of the gaze of that player? Or not player, the, the runner. Look at him. His face is really funny. But look at his gaze. It is just looking straight to the finish line. Nothing else. And he'll find rhythm in his body. Obstacles, he doesn't even, even need to look. He'll just come over and even get faster and faster and faster overcoming hurdles. That's how you overcome suffering as well or hurdles in your life, relational hurdles, pain, faith hurdles. You don't look at the obstacle. You fix your gaze on Jesus Christ. I want to give you two applications that you could take home with and um, we'll pray. The first is avoid isolation. What do you do if you are in the middle of suffering? What can you and I do? Number one, avoid isolation. 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 11, verse 1. This is what Paul says. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. Isn't that a funny Bible verse? It says this. Why? Because I do not love you? Because God knows I do. This is what Paul is saying. Corinthians, you're not doing as well as the Thessalonians. You went through suffering as well, but you kind of failed. And this is what you're guessing right now. Hear me. When you go through suffering, you, you guess the same thing. My pastor, he doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't care for me anymore. Please hear me, church. We love you at this house. When the enemy tries to get at you at suffering, this is the question that he's going to... No, this is a statement that will always... No one cares for you in this house. Hmm. Your pastor, man, he's meeting everyone else around you except you. He doesn't love you anymore. That's why Paul had to say, why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. Why are you second-guessing my love for you? I love you, but this is not about me. This is not about me. It's not about me loving you. It's what God is doing inside of you. And why that doubt it has entered your soul. Whenever suffering comes, some of you, I'm so glad you're here, midweek service. And may Lord bless this moment more and more as we meet. Because the, the tem- tendency and the temptation in us is to say, I'm just going to isolate myself. I'm not going to talk about my issues with anything. I don't want to share that. I don't want to share that. Let me fix it first. Let me get better first and then come to church. I don't want to run into Pastor Brett at Costco. Oh, I feel like he's going to see right through me. Oh, Pastor Jim. Oh, he's the prophet. Is he scanning my bones and my body right now? Can he see me naked right now? What's happening? I'm sorry. I've thought that before. And I'm like, why, Lord? That's so weird. That's not the gift of prophecy. That's from X-Men. I don't know. What am I doing? Help me. Help me, God. Help me. Mm. You know, in Thailand, kind of same country, right? There are many moments in that country where there were a lot of floods, like just 
Tremendous floods that will flood through everything, including houses, and they will lose everything. But they found this really one interesting species that would survive through all the flood, and it's called red ants. Red ants. And this is what they would do. Whenever floods come, they all come out to the surface, and they'll link, they will link their little ant arms with each other. And they're going to come together. And they together become a boat that floats even despite the wind and the water that rises from the ground. Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? Where the water and the wind will come find you. You got to find your brothers and sisters. I'm so glad you're here. Maybe you ought to get prayed for afterwards. If you're in the middle of suffering, we want to pray for you. We want to see if Lord wants to say anything to you tonight to encourage and comfort and strengthen you. So would you come and find us, our, our prayer leaders? Maybe you ought to be prayed over in the middle of suffering. And finally, as you and I pray, this is the question that I want to ask you. Who can I serve? Greater heart. Are you in the middle of suffering? Pray this prayer. Lord, who can I serve? Who can I serve? We, we used to, I, me and my wife and some team, we, we used to visit this little orphanage down in Miami many, many um, once a year for, for, for five years. We ran into this young man. I'm not going to say his name because um, I don't know where he is, but for safety and uh, security reasons, I'm not going to say his name. But he, he grew up in that orphanage without a mom or without a dad. It was really tough. His life was really tough. And he became 18 and he finished, he finished really well. He got good grades. He got, to, he got into good college. And this is what he said. Pastor, I want to study law. And I was like, why would you study law? Because I want to help other orphans. And this is what I found out. Orphanage is all about legal fights, legal battles. Who gets the legal authority on their child? So I'm going to study the law and I'm going to help the children. Later, he became a judge in the county. It's all about the calling that God has placed in your life. Because he can turn your pain into influence. He can turn your pain into greater love. He can turn your pain into blessings. Not just for you, but for many, many to come in the generations. Would you pray that with me? Would you close your eyes and pray with me? A couple of prayers. Would you pray that with me? Just pray in your spirit, pray in your heart. Lord, in the middle of my suffering, Who can I serve? How can I love better? Would you enlarge my heart? Would you widen my love? As you pray that, would you pray that for your church family as well as we all come together? Lord, widen our hearts so we love more and deeper every day till you come back. That we love deeper and wider every day. More, greater love, more. Come on, just pray that out for your church family, for yourself. For next a minute or less, let's pause and just Turn our spiritual eyes, our gaze to Jesus right now. Isn't this great? Wednesday evening, in the middle of the week, just turn your eyes, your gaze to Jesus right now.
just pause. We're not praying. We're not talking to him. We're just fixing our eyes on him all over. Just do that. Make the shift in your soul. Spirit, we receive that word. We don't want to just come in here and play church games and cleanse our conscience, God, but we need more of you. We're asking that there would be greater love, greater faith. God, and not that we would try to love harder, that we would try to faith harder but that we would learn to gaze at you and know where our help comes from. God, our greater love will never come from ourselves. Our greater faith will never come from ourselves. Our help will never come from ourselves. God, it's only gonna come from you. See, we receive your help. We receive your love. We receive your faith. We receive your blessing, your favor, God, and allow us to do whatever you've called us to do, God. And let us not diminish the effect, God, of the love that you have shown us. But let us gaze and learn to gaze at the beauty of our Savior. Jesus, we love you so much, but more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In your name we pray, amen.